Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Top of Thunder podcast. I'm your host today, Dylan Hunsinger at Thunder Chats, and we are back with the ill behavior. I got with me a couple gentlemen on my pod here. We got Alex Roig. Alex, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Just enjoying the snow out there. I got to play with the kids, so ready to, ready to knock this uh, podcast out. There you go. That, that's how you enjoy your day right there. And then we got enjoy. birthday boy, Maddie Moles in Texas. What up, Maddie? Uh, pretty good. Uh, Snow, what is that? We don't get that stuff down here in San Antonio. <laughs> hey, uh, did, didn't the San Antonio game get moved up because of possible snow? Uh, I don't I don't know if, if that's the thing, but I, I just drove to and from the grocery store earlier, and the, the roads were just fine, even if everybody was driving like they weren't. Um, so, yeah. But because it is my birthday, I'm doing a little day drinking, so it should be a pretty interesting <laughs> podcast. Let's go. There you go. There you go. That's what we got to do. All right. Hey, well, without further ado, joining us today. Champagne Maddie. Yes, Champagne Moles. All right. Joining us today, this man has been steadily growing and improving his credibility and notoriety across NBA circles. He's an NBA insider for Bleacher Report, has compared himself to Varys from Game of Thrones, and famously has been referred to by Mark Stein as, quote, unquote, a problem. Please welcome back, friend of the pod, returning once again, Jake Fisher. Very kind introduction, probably too too much of an introduction. Um, I, I did not remember that uh, that Varys comment, but uh, yeah, that that's that's a fair one to make. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're we're doing great, man. We're good, and you know we're we're excited to have you back on. You know we had a good time. Uh, you know, kind of airing out our grievances about the shade trade. You know, I, yeah, I, I I still refuse to believe it, but you know what? I'm just gonna live in my happy corner. Um, we've got some more. Yeah. We've got some more news to talk about. I'm sure Shay's name's not going to come up. So, no, definitely not. Um, so uh, I mean, good, good. You guys also <laughs> yeah. have me. I, I'm, I got the man bun today. I've been, I've recently been called the Trent Krim of the NBA. Oh, my <laughs> that's, gosh. that's been a new one that I've kind of enjoyed. You just got to start referring to yourself, Jake Fisher, the Bleacher Report. <laughs> no, nah, he's he, that, that looks like more uh, Lou Amundsen. Yeah, I got the Lou Amundsen bun going today. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. I like it. Well, hey. Let's jump right in, man. So, you know, Oklahoma City Thunder, that's the team that we know and love. And there's a name that everybody's kind of circled as the guy that most people think that we're going to move on from, or if we make a move, is going to be the guy. And that's uh, Kendrick Williams. So I'm just going to toss it to you, man. What what you been hearing about Kendrick Williams? I think Kendrick has popped up a lot, being that there are a lot of teams looking for two-way wing help, especially, you know, you look at Utah, the Lakers, um, I mean, there, there's just a lot of contenders that um, either have wings. You go, you go to Phoenix. I mean, um, the Bucks obviously have a pretty perimeter-oriented team. Brooklyn as well. Um, Kenrich is, is clearly a commodity, 
but I think it's going to take a high price. I mean, at least a first round pick to get him. You know, I talked to someone about that situation earlier this week, and uh, he said that he thought it was unlikely that Kenrich even got moved. That's how high uh, the Thunder uh, value him, and it's under a great contract. You know, I, I think it's still what two years left after this at three million a year. I could be it's, wrong off the top of my head. It's one at two, so one more year at two million. Yeah, so I mean, that's what are you going to get back? Also, for some at that salary number, that's really going to make it worth the Thunder's while. I, I doubt he's even going to be, you know, no offense to Kenrich Williams and his representation, but I doubt he's going to be commanding, you know, so great of a contract at his next deal either. I'm sure the Thunder will still be able to retain him at a pretty decent number moving forward. So um, that's something that I think will remain fluid, but I'm not convinced that Kendrick Williams is just, is just going out the door because he's a good player and the Thunder are tanking. Yeah, that's, that's all fair. And, you know, I think that's the, that's the main reason Thunder fans specifically thought that Kendrick Williams would be traded because, you know, we're tanking and, you know, the eye test and the numbers really um, show that whenever Kendrick is on the floor, you know, we're more likely to maybe not win every game, but we're more likely to be there at the end of the games with Kendrick Williams. Um, you know, you talked about how he's worth a first and you don't think he's going to be – he's going to be moving. Do you think that uh, um, the indication is that maybe Presti has set the price that high so people stop asking about it? Or, like, <laughs> what, what you thinking there? That's a fair read of the tea leaves. Um, I'll throw that I'll, – I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one. Um, I haven't heard that specifically. It's certainly possible. There's a ton of gamesmanship going on. I mean – we're a week away today, recording this Thursday, and I'm um, sorry, I, I'm going to keep looking this way at my phone. Um, I'm not uh, distracted. I'm definitely multitasking. Um, as long as you break the news here first. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think around the draft cycle, right, I try to really get a good hold on where everything is probably two weeks before the draft because that week before the draft, that's when a lot of misinformation starts to fly. Um, and I think similarly at, at the trade deadline, you know, this week is always pretty quiet, right? There really is. I, I mean, I've written a bunch of notebooks. Other reporters have as well. There, there aren't that many trade for frameworks and um, like players that are available for trade and, and concepts that teams are looking for that I think we haven't been able to like find out already. I think now it's just a matter of when – push comes to shove and it's go time, what teams actually going to be willing to meet, which price, what deals are actually going to happen. So this week has seemed to be, has seemed to follow that mold where it's quiet and teams are kind of holding their cards a little bit closer and kind of waiting to see who's going to go all in. Um, so maybe that's like some gamesmanship from Sam as well, but I think the Thunder clearly are just trying to target players that have high upside um, and Kenrich, I think, doesn't necessarily have the high upside of a Josh Giddy or a Shea Gildas Alexander, but the ranginess, the, the, the versatility, um, the fact that he, like I said, isn't probably going – I mean, he's just not the archetype of a player that's ever going to make a lot of money in the NBA. That's just, that's just he, He'll make a good living compared to the average person, right? And I, I, I wrote about Kenrich before the draft, actually, back when I was at Sports Illustrated, a whole profile on him and how – um, he had this unique haircut called the shag. I don't even know if he still has the shag. I haven't seen a Thunder oh, yeah, game. No, he, does. He, does. he still he has does. it. 
So go look at that. Go up, look in the archives. There's like a whole metaphor of how the uniqueness of his shag was like reflective of the uniqueness of his game. Um, but I still don't think he'd ever, ha- I could, I'd be surprised if he ever developed into a $20 million a year player, right? That's just not really his archetype. So I think when you look at the Thunder right now, they obviously have all these picks that everyone talks about and they talk about it in the hinky uh, mold of, are they just kicking the can down the road? When are you ever going to actually use these picks? You can't roster all these guys, blah, blah, blah. Like Giddy and Shea are really the only two building blocks on this team right now. And like the, the, the Poku days are kind of gone, right? Where he was this Twitter sensation and everyone on league pass loved him. Like, I don't think too many people on the NBA are viewing Poku as like a high upside building block piece here. So I don't, I think holding on to guys like Kenrich around those two guys of Shea and Josh Giddy, that is right up the Thunder's alley versus, I don't, I don't think he's like a Hamadou Diallo where when he, when, when Hamadou was coming up for his extension or his new contract and they were going to look for a lot of money, it was going to price him out of what the Thunder were looking to do. Um, that could be the case with Kendrick, but like we said, he still he still has one year left on his deal. I would think maybe next deadline would seem to be, if they don't come to an extension agreement before then, would seem to be probably more likely for him to head out the door. So, so you're you're talking you're talking about building block guys. Uh, Thunder Twitter might disagree that those are the only two that we have. There's a guy who went in Fuego last night against the Mavericks in overtime and Lou Dort. Mm-hmm. Uh, very interesting. You know, we've had many debates on this pod about what's his ceiling look like. Who could he be? Could he be a poor man's Kawhi Leonard if everything breaks right and he develops everything he's got to develop? Um, he's people love him all over the place. They they give him his his flowers on Twitter a lot, but we have no idea what an extension would look like for him. We have no idea what the value that he has, like in league circles. What? How much do other teams value him? Are you hearing one anything about Lou Dort uh, as far as potential trades? And two, are you hearing anything about what an possible extension for him would look like? Haven't heard anything specifically on extension numbers with him. Dort's name came up a lot around the draft, um, and and not really like in he's going to get moved, but in teams calling about him. And the price was high. The price was higher than what they're asking for Kenneth Williams right now, which makes sense, of course. Um, I don't know if a team would be willing to pay for that right now at this present moment. In terms of his ultimate ceiling and how people on the league look at him, I think he's kind of evaluated and, and valued as someone of the Marcus Smart mold more so than Kawhi Leonard, probably a better shooting Marcus Smart at this rate, right? If, if, if his outside stroke can, can hold up. I, I think in terms of like building blocks, what I mentioned earlier, that that's, I mean, the way the NBA team building game has developed and I think uh, Sam Presti and the Thunder's efforts to get KD, Russ and Harden together all those years ago played a big factor into this era we're in where, I mean, it just, the analytics and numbers have borne out throughout the history of the league. This is what I wrote about in my book, Built to Lose, How the NBA is Taking Air Change League Forever, shout out. Um, <laughs> like to Gotta win a plug title. It. To win a title throughout history, you, you can't just you don't just need multiple all stars. You pretty traditionally need to have multiple like Hall of Fame or All NBA type talent players. And I'm not saying that's the, the general belief in what Josh Giddy and, and Shea Gilgeous Alexander, uh, Alexander are going to become, 
but I think around the league, and I would assume within, you know, a, a large portion of the Thunder front office that those two guys are clearly in a tier unto themselves in terms of that type of upside and door probably one tier behind them. So are you saying oh. that pretty much the, the mentality is that like anybody and everybody is on the table to include all those assets to get that third guy. And that includes Dort because he's a step lower than that. Yes. But also like the thunder aren't um, Washington right now. We're like, they're, they kind of need to go get somebody to help keep Bradley Beal or the bulls where they need to go potentially upgrade to compete with a title right now. Like, the Thunder are obviously a long way away from those conversations. I, I don't think there's like a sense of pressure to it, but I think, you know, they're going to be, the Thunder are going to make several trades at the deadline, most likely being on the receiving end of salary for draft capital, right? As they've done time and again, these last couple of years, the Serge Ibaka stuff has come up left and right. Like I'm sure that, that might be on your docket to discuss at a certain point. Um, I don't think the Thunder are, are in those conversations actively trying to offload those guys, but they're always, I mean, the smart front offices are, are always gauging the value of all their guys. They're always curious what those guys could get back, what they could acquire. Um, so yeah, I think they're the talks that they're having are very fluid on everyone outside of those top two guys. So, so you've mentioned, you know, you mentioned the top two guys, you mentioned Lou Dort, uh, Kenrich Williams, um, Mike Mescala is another guy that as far as value to a veteran team, as far as value to maybe even a contending team, um, he would probably have high value. But the, but he likes Oklahoma City, and I don't think the Thunder are necessarily going to trade him unless either he wants to go or whether or unless the what they give back is significant. So have we you heard anything him. about – yeah, we love him. He's a friend of the pod. <laughs> uh, but have you heard anything about Mike? or anybody else on the team. Mike's name has come up in the in the, the, the list of names like Daniel Tice out there and Jakob Pertl in that the teams that are looking for a big man, um, and that's you know mostly been mentioned to me as Toronto, Charlotte, Milwaukee, in the fact that Brooke Lopez has not really proven that he will be a healthy commodity for the Bucks this season. Um, you know, the Pacers obviously are setting the top of the market in terms of prices for uh, Miles Turner and DeMontis Sabonis. And so far, those asking prices have been very, very high. So it's led teams. And also a lot of teams are probably looking, you know, more teams are looking to add on the margins or add a rotation piece um, than they are to go get a star, right? That's just more feasible type of midseason transaction, typically throughout you know, the course of the league. Big, big star players most often get moved in the offseason. Um, but I think also, like, if you are trying to improve and if you're Charlotte, you know, you're in the seventh seed, you might want to try to see if you can add a piece to get out of the playing tournament altogether. You know, that's why maybe if they can't go swing for Miles Turner, that's why someone like Mike Muscala or Daniel Tice or, I mean, Yaka Pertle's price I think is pretty high too. But Nerlens Noel has become available um, in New York. Like, those types of names – I think are probably more likely to get moved and teams are going to be shopping for those small, those smaller name big men because the bigger name guys, even, you know, Jeremy Grant and John Collins, you know, they're not centers, but they're big men. Um, you know, the, the prices for those guys are a lot higher than it would be for Mike Muscala. And you're obviously expecting less in return for one of those guys. 
Um, but that's where I think Mascala can factor into this deadline if a team that's still looking for front court reinforcements um, needs need something, but uh, he, he's the best, cheapest option left on the table for them. Anybody else? Any other names? Derek Favors? No, I mean, I can't. I mean, would you guys want Derek Favors if you were another team? No, no offense to Derek <laughs> Favors. He's uh, spent a lot of time putting in his effort, and he's a true veteran and blah, blah, blah. But I just yeah. – I mean, New Orleans offloaded him to OKC for a reason, right? So he's the a, only thing I would have – He's a vet minimum guy now, so. That's true. Yeah, I mean – there's people always talk about um, the potential for him to get bought out, but obviously the Thunder are not very consistent in doing so. But they did do that with Kemba somewhat recently, so maybe there's kind of renewed optimism that other teams or other players can do that. I mean, in that Serge Ibaka framework that we talked about, no one really expects Serge would just kind of wallow in the rest of the season in OKC. I think also the relationship that he's had with those people there. Remember Rob Hennigan obviously acquired him in Orlando. Um, I would think they would do him a solid and, and buy him out in that dynamic, but um, I haven't heard too too much now outside outside of what we already talked about. It's been as expected, pretty quiet about OKC. Sounds about right. That's Percy's mo. Um, so you know we we've talked about some targets that other teams might have for OKC. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about some, you know, salary options, you know, Serge Ibaka being the big one, you know, that's, that's like the hot button topic there. Um, is there any players out there that OKC is kind of, you know, targeting, like, you know, kind of testing the waters on, you know, what, who, who they might be able to acquire, what they're asking prices for? Yeah. I, the, I'm sorry to, to come up with that empty answer here, but I have not heard them linked to anybody as a, in terms of being a buyer. I think, you know, generally – across the league, there are very few teams who are just straight up sellers right now. It's, it's you guys in, in OKC, Detroit, Orlando, um, you know, I'm, I'm, am I blanking on somebody at Houston? Um, and outside of those four teams, like even the Portland's and Indiana, like those teams still have designs to kind of float in the playoff world and potentially get better for next year. Um, like, there's, there's no real clear sign on what direction Portland's going to entirely go in right now. Sacramento and New Orleans, as much as they're not really in the, in the thick of the playing tournament, like they're trying to get there. So I think, you know, there's just a, a, a dearth of sellers that, I mean, there's so many buyers, there's so many teams from those Kings and Pelicans like teams and in, in New York and Atlanta trying to, move their way out or up into the play-in picture. There's teams like Charlotte and Boston who are trying to continue to improve their way through the play-in, same with Toronto. And you've got the contenders who are trying to actually cement themselves really as a championship team. There's not a lot of room for the Thunder to be buyers in that market when, you know, there's so few sellers and, and they will have opportunities to be a third team here and there um, to, to generate some pretty good, uh, draft value back. And I think, I mean, if there was a distressed asset type player, like, you know, someone like Marvin Bagley, I'm just throwing out a hypothetical, right. Mm-hmm. Who, you know, they saw an opportunity to go get, I'm sure. I mean, there's no way that they're not kicking around those ideas. I just have not um, heard uh, them linked to anybody. And I've talked to 
at least 50 different NBA executives in the last two weeks. So um, if, I mean, if, if the word's not out there amongst those folks, I would imagine they're just keeping it really tight-lipped or they're not as always, but I also don't think they're just calling up being like, Hey, let's try to buy that guy. I think they're more passive. The Intel that I get is typically things that have advanced beyond just, Hey, we're, we're interested in this guy on your roster. It's Mm -hmm. more serious, more tangible stuff. For sure. I got you. Yeah. A couple of those names that, you know, like Thunder fans kind of circled like, you know, the past couple months, you know, Bagwell, like you mentioned, Bomba is another one. Uh, Thomas Bryant's a guy that I've always kind of been interested in, especially with like the kind of logjam at big man with Harold and yeah, um, Jalen Smith. Yeah, Jalen Smith. That, that's another yeah. One. So I mean, I mean yeah. it'd be it'd be interesting to see them. You know, someone like Jalen Smith. I I think I'm going to write this sometime next week, so I'll give you guys a little bit a little bit. It's not like breaking okay. news; it's just like context. Um, the way it's been described to me. The team, a team that were to trade for him would be limited in how much they can offer him as opposed to a rival team because because of the fact that Phoenix declined his option. So if the Thunder wanted to acquire someone shrewdly with the, the sole objective of then having them get signed and traded away, like knowing that player is going to be a commodity on the restricted free agent market this summer, especially just like last year, there's going to be limited um, teams with actual cap space, right? There was a lot of signing trades, Lonzo Ball, Devontae Graham, Kyle Lowry. That's going to continue again this year. I could see them going and acquiring someone, you know, like Hamadou Diallo last year with Detroit, except with if Detroit was trying to have him get poached again so they got more capital back. Like, I could see them doing something like that. Um, I haven't heard that's going to happen, but that would seem to be a pretty smart move to me. Like, TJ Warren, for example, especially if he's hurt and he's not going to play the rest of the year, you know, if they went out and got him, I'm, and again, I haven't heard this. I'm not, I'm not saying that's been discussed, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did something along those lines. You heard your first Thunder fans, uh, Thunder's <laughs> acquire TJ Warren and Marvin Bagley per Jake Fisher. So, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I do want to ask about this. You know, you talked about there's not a lot of sellers. Um, a couple weeks ago. Uh, you kind of you kind of put out this article about how the Clippers could turn into sellers. You know, we talked about mm-hmm. Ibaka, but there's a lot of other pieces in those veterans. Um, <laughs> is it kind of trending more that direction? Because I don't know if you know this, Thunder fans are pretty invested in the Clippers um, yeah. this year. <laughs> I definitely know that. I mean, that's the thing. If the way it was described to me, if the Clippers had their pick, which is obviously a big if because they gave up a hell of a lot of picks to make this team happen, they would absolutely tank this year. Um, that would have been the clear goal, but since they don't, um, and Ty Lu from my conversations, I mean, the Clippers have basically run a, a G League team the last couple of weeks, and they're still holding on to the eight spot in the playing tournament. Ty Lu is one of the best coaches in the league. I mean, that's not my opinion. I mean, it, it is, but I think that's also just like that's what everyone says. That's what people tell me, um, and he's he's valued as such and respected as such around the NBA. So. That is the one thing here. Like, they're gonna continue. They're 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 not gonna fall out of the playing tournament. Like, it, like they're still. I'm looking at it right now. They're still three and a half games up on Portland, and like they have their like the Clippers have their shit together. All these other teams don't. Like, they're trying to get into a spot where they can. New Orleans, Sacramento, um, the Lakers. Yeah, the Lakers don't got their shit yeah, together. Yeah, exactly. The Lakers, like those three teams, all want to be better than. The Clippers and they just like aren't right now. 
injuries and other things factor into that, of course. Um, but I think when, I mean, we're, again, we're only a week away. So if the Clippers get word that Paul George or Kawhi are not coming back this year, which Paul George, I think, is the domino that has to fall. It's his potential um, Tommy John type surgery that you heard Brian Windhorst mention first. Um, that's exact type of procedure that's been described to me as well. I don't know exactly what the timetable would be for a basketball player versus a, a baseball player. I think that's also part of what the delay is. I think they're evaluating all of their options. If he's out for the year, I would be surprised to see Kawhi Leonard want to come back um, and try to lead a ragtag eight seed group against, you know, the, the, the top echelon of the West. I don't think he has to prove it to himself that he can still go out and, and get it done. Kawhi Leonard knows who Kawhi Leonard is. So um, I think there definitely continues to be a strong chance that they look to move, you know, Bledsoe as well. Um, I think is clearly at the top of their list behind Ibaka in terms of potential, you know, tax saving opportunities. And Marcus Morris's name's come up a bunch um, because, you know, as good as he is and as valuable as he would be to a contender or to any team trying to make the playoffs and why he, he could be moved because of that this year, you know, he is a bit um, a redundant in what the Clippers are building with you know, their two best players are wings. They've got Terrence Mann, BJ Boston, um, and Keon Johnson. These, these, these rookies that they're growing are, are wings as well. Um, you know, and there's talk of the Clippers potentially wanting to clear space to make another big splashy move um, this offseason and getting off Morris's salary would be a great way to do that. So um, there is definitely a chance that the Clippers still make those moves and they plummet down the standings a little bit and they help out you, you Oklahoma City fans. Um, but I just think based off of by process of, of elimination as well and Ty Lue's coaching, like they might still make the play in tournament. So. Um, I think at best that pick is going to end up being a late lottery pick for you guys. Yeah. So another, uh, another team that potentially could be looking for some tax savings is Utah. Are you hearing mm -hmm. of us being involved in potentially acquiring Ingles to give them some tax relief? And what does a framework of that deal kind of look like for you? I think that's the Jazz's like last case scenario. I think they're trying to use, Joe Ingles' contract now as an expiring contract with a pick to go and get someone to help them compete now. And they can do that by taking and, and, and duck under the tax and take back a player who makes less salary. Um, I don't know exactly what that margin is that they have to do, but um, that to me would seem to be the case. I mean, the Jazz are building this contender around Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, which has been a relationship that, you know, has been brought a couple of times that might exactly might not exactly be the smoothest dynamic right um this championship window is open they're doing what they can primarily to add a defensive um wing talent to their team i mean like you know kendrich williams i think is like a popular idea joe and a first for kenrich but i don't think that's enough um for the thunder even right like just just just, just saving that much money and getting a jazz 2027 first round pick you know, really get the thunder too excited. Like, I doubt that. For the same thing for um, Utah. Like, I think they're looking to find someone who they know has proven postseason ability to help them compete for this championship. Yeah, that's all fair because, you know, as, as good as Kendrick has been, you know, in, in his past two seasons, you know, it's been regular season. You know, he hasn't been playoff tested. So that's that, that's a fair assessment. Uh, Jake, you know, we're rounding right out at the 30-minute mark. So before we close out, 
I just want to kind of, you know, touch on some other players and like a game style. Basically, I'm just going to name a player and I want you to, you know, kind of give your prediction on if you think they end up traded or not. That work out for you? Sounds good. All right. Uh, Mules, Alex, we can go in a circle here. We can just name a couple players here. So I'm going to start out and I'm going to say Ben Simmons. <laughs> ben Simmons, I highly doubt will get traded. That's fair. Wow. Uh, Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal, I highly doubt will get traded. The Beal situation, you know, something could change. He could decide, you know, get me out of here. But that's what he all, we were we were right back here before the draft where he was waffling and blah. Should I get, request a trade? And he was talking to Russ, and Russ moved to LA, and he's still stuck around. So, the sixty million dollar number that's been floating out there forever with Brad has constantly been communicated to me as a big thing for him. I think Brad stays. 60 million would be a big thing for me too. Uh, yeah. Damian Lillard. Definitely not. All right. Fair. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Taylor Horton Tucker. The Lakers are trying. They're offering that THC Kendrick Nunn first round pick package for a lot. They, I, know, I mean, they definitely sent it for Jeremy Grant. I'm sure they offered it to the Lakers for John Collins in some type of capacity. Uh, I mean, they're just calling every team with that offer, and they haven't gotten really significant interest back. So I'd say it's very possible, but I don't know if they're going to be able to get uh, a buyer for something that, you know, is actually moves the needle for them. So you just you just mentioned him. What about John Collins before the trade deadline? John Collins, I feel like it's really 50-50. Like a couple – like a week or two ago, it seemed very likely, but now – the Hawks are kind of signaling that, you know, they won seven straight. Maybe they don't move him, all that type of stuff. So who's to say? It seems very fluid still. And, and being that this is a Thunder podcast, so we got to go back to our our uh, our superstar of the past, Russell Westbrook. There's always a lot of smoke around him. Mm. So anything about this season? No, I, I don't think he gets moved. I think the Lakers want to use their first round pick that we just talked about to go get somebody, not use it to offload Russ to Houston. Um, and outside of that, okay. there really is no other option that's really presented itself for them. Dang. I really wanted a Westbrook wall part too. Uh, <laughs> Moles, drop one more name, man. We'll let him go. Um, so just the Indiana guys, the Turner and, and obviously Thunder legend, Demona Sabonis, uh, what, yeah. what are you hearing for them or what do you think for them? I think one of them will get moved. I really do. They've been saying that all along. You know, could it be both? Maybe. Could it be neither? Yes. But I do think one of them will get moved, especially there seems to be some confidence that Miles Turner could be back uh, pretty shortly after the All-Star break, late February, early March. Um, so yeah, I, th I think it's it's very possible one of those guys does get dealt. Rock and roll, Jake. Well, hey, man, it was a pleasure having you on. Always a good time. Uh, I want to give you the opportunity to plug your stuff. I know you got your uh, Born to Lose uh, tanking book. I know you got your Twitter. I know you're on uh, you're on a bunch of apps doing a bunch of things. So go ahead and plug <laughs> all your stuff, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I have pretty much at least one column coming every week at Bleach Report. Yeah, my book is still out there, Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed League Forever. A lot, lot of thunder, little nuggets in there, some Rob Hennigan stuff from his Orlando days. And, uh, yeah, thank you guys for having me on. Give me the platform as always, and uh, we'll see what lottery luck brings for you guys come May. Absolutely. Please. And remember, get the hard copy of the book, because if you get the audio book, you don't get as much back. So <clears throat> got to help out the man Jake. But, uh, Jake, yeah, like I said, man, uh, awesome yeah. having you on. 
Uh, good luck this next week. I know it's going to be busy for you. So appreciate Thank you taking the time. Appreciate you. Have a good one. All right. All right. Thank you, man. You too. Hey, guys. Alex here from Topic Thunder. Uh, I got a question for you. So what's more important than peace of mind? Absolutely nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you're online. With all the threats that you face today on the Internet, whether you're on your computer, whether you are on your phone, whether you are on your tablet, it's more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, the most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited ban bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either, and plans start at under $4 per month. $4 a month. That's a cup of coffee nowadays. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also, it's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead and protect your assets that you have online and get Nord to help you with that. That's NordVPN. Hey guys, Alex here from Topic Thunder Podcast. What I'm about to say might shock you, but the greatest quarterback of all time is not just a goat on the field. He's a goat when it comes to investing too. He invests in stocks, crypto, and even art. Now you can invest like the goat with Masterworks. Masterworks is an investing platform that lets you buy shares representing an investment in art from icons like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol. Art prices actually outpaced the S&P 500 by 164% from 1992 to 2022. In fact, early investors already received over 30% IRR in 2020 and 2021 from sales of just two paintings. This is your opportunity to join 300,000 other members and invest like the GOAT. Plus, you can get priority access with our game day promo. So go to masterworks.art slash believe. That's masterwork.art slash B-L-E-A-V. See important disclosures at masterworks.art. Dot io slash disclaimer all right so that was uh, that was jake fisher that was awesome that was it's awesome it's always great to have an insider on um right before you know right before the things happen so right before you know trade deadline hopefully we can get jake fisher back on like he said like the two weeks before the draft or the week before the draft where you know you get a lot of your you get a lot of your lies out you get a lot of your hey let me test the waters on this let me test the waters on that um, so hopefully we can get him on at that point because, you know, the Thunder are usually very active uh, during draft time. But, you know, before we move on to anything else, I, I just kind of want to go ahead and talk about anything that you think could happen in this deadline, um, whether it's Thunder related, whether it's NBA related, um, just things that you are hearing on Twitter, just things that you think that you would like to see, you know, maybe things that you would like to see or things that you would like to 
you know, see happen um, either on the Thunder front or on the NBA front. So, I mean, we're not going to be completely silent. We're going to be involved in something, whether it's being a third team, helping to facilitate a deal, eating a little bit of salary in one thing and taking an asset back to allow, you know, a potential like main rotation guy or whatever to, to move. Maybe we're involved in a John Collins deal. If Atlanta decides to be a seller, maybe we're not acquiring Collins, but we're acquiring some of the riffraff that would be going alongside a package to acquire Collins for another team. Um, I, I honestly think that we're probably going to be consolidating as much or, or not consolidating, acquiring as much as we can now. And then closer to the draft, we'll consolidate, we'll package pe- uh, picks, we'll package a player or two or something and, and try to move up and, and we'll consolidate some of our assets. So I think right now, Presti, while we still have cap space to use on the books this year is going to maximize that. So I definitely see us acquiring salary and taking a pick on but we're not going to be a salary cap team next year. That's going to limit our abilities to, to play that game with Kimba's buyout with Shea's extension kicking in. All of those things are really eating our cap away for next season. So I think Presti's going to make some fringe moves, get it maybe a late first, get some seconds, some additional seconds, and then we'll look to consolidate later. Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, one of the biggest tools that Presti has number one is, uh, the open roster spot. Um, and number two, honestly, that Phoenix pick is a tool that he can use because, you know, in all technicality, that is a first round pick that he can toss out there to get something done or to to get something in traction to move on. Because, you know, when teams talk about, oh, you know, we'd like a first round pick, you know, there's, there's tiers to first round picks. And so that Phoenix first round pick likely going to be number 30, number 29 or 30, because they're, you know, wrecking the league here in the regular season, um, that could be something that can be added to any trade to make it move, to make it, you know, happen. And so, you know, those types of things are going to be tools that Presti has to kind of do any deal that he wants to do. I don't think we're going to be like, you know, a lot like Jake Fisher said, we're not going to be buyers. And I think most of Thunder Nation knows that, Um, you know, we're going to be sellers. We're going to be people that are going to help out bigger transactions happen. Um, and so, you know, it, it may be a, a boring trade deadline and the fact that we don't get anything necessarily for the future other than maybe a couple picks. Um, but, I, you know, I also think this team, this team is designed not to get better this season. You know, you don't want to miss out. You know, we're, we're currently in the fourth spot as far as the reverse standings. You don't want to drop down to five or six, you know, as other teams try to tank. Um, and so, you know, doing making moves to help other teams while you either stay the same or maybe even get worse, um, it's going to help us out in the long run. And so I think any move that the Thunder make is going to be to facilitate getting assets back, um, and it's not going to be for us to get better. Um, so, you know, any move for us to get Carl Anthony Towns, any move for us to get, you know, uh, John Collins, um, even, even though I know that's your guy, Maddie, I don't think that's necessarily something that's going to be done right now if John Collins is still on the Hawks in the off season, that's definitely in play, I think, um, especially at the draft. But right now, I don't think, I don't think Sam Presti wants to, wants to, wants to, you know, risk his spot in the reverse standings. So one of the 3d chess things would be, how can we help teams leapfrog the Clippers 
to yeah, kick yeah. them further down the standing. So um, I don't know what that looks like, but that would be a 3D chess thing if we're trading <laughs> Kenrich for a first-round pick uh, from a team that's really trying to make a push for the playoffs. Um, that that could look really interesting, especially there out in the West with teams that the just team, haven't committed. The, team, the teams yeah. you want to help. Yeah, the teams you want to help are the Lakers, the Trailblazers, and maybe even like Minnesota. Yeah, so help helping them, and honestly, he would help all of those teams. Uh, yeah. there, there's always room for uh, a Kenny Hustle on a team that's trying to win games, um, and he doesn't really do a lot to hurt you. He's he's he benefits you on both ends of the floor. So, um, I I think like. Honestly, that's the only type of move that I could see him maybe not squeezing all the value out now, but maybe that's another way he can help pull a lever to give us another crack at winning the lottery with an unprotected asset coming from the Clippers. So we'll see. Hopefully, you know, the Clippers end up selling a few pieces and they kind of sputter. They really have no margin for error right now. I mean, they, they can't get, they can't sustain any additional injury um, without Kawhi and Paul George, you know, there. So it'll be interesting to see what this home stretch looks like for them. I know we're very, very invested in that. And it's a lot more fun hitting Tankathon when the Clippers are below that, when they're below that level and potential for them to jump like 11, 12 spots up the, up that uh, uh, draft order. So Yes. Um, getting 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 two cracks at the number one pick is much better than getting just one. Yeah, uh, for sure. So, anything else league wide that you can see happening that that maybe we touched on or we didn't or that you yeah. maybe disagree a little bit with Jake on that that whole that, that whole Ben Simmons situation is just like it's so weird because from everything that you know from the reports that I've read he's missing out on like 19, 20 million dollars. Like that's nothing. I mean, that's, that's not nothing. Like that's a chunk of change right there that this guy Mm -hmm. is not getting this season. And I don't, you know, I don't know what the books of an NBA player look like, you know, but if you're counting on those $20 million to come in and they're not coming in, I'm pretty sure Matt, who's, who's the, uh, who's his manager? Maverick Carter. It's not Maverick Carter. Is it? I don't, I don't know. What's I know he's not. Name? I know he's not hanging out with the Kardashians anymore. So that's gotta. That's gotta help his expense. No, what's his name? Rich Paul. Rich Paul. Rich Paul. Oh, yeah. You know, as a as an agent, whenever your players go through situations like that, sometimes agents go ahead and kind of front the money or you know help them out. But twenty million dollars is is a is a ton. You know, that's a lot of money. Um, and so, you know, I know Maury holds all the all the all the cards in this. But I wonder how long before Rich Paul and Ben Simmons go to the Players Association and say, hey, you know, either get my guy out of here or pay my guy. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's going to turn ugly before. Then, yeah, I think it's going to turn uglier now than it is going to, you know, than it has been here in the past. Then your guy got to play. You know what I mean? Your guy like, got to play. Exactly. No, yeah, true that. So I think, I think what more and, and a lot of people are, you know, I've, I've kind of flip-flopped like back and forth, like trying to, you know, see both points of view here. Here's the thing. Simmons with Embiid, not a winning combination. It's not no. going to win you 
it's not going to win you series in the playoffs. You're not going to be able to advance. You're not going to be able to maximize Embiid. So with that already being said, like Simmons provides you nothing for the postseason, and that's what they're focused on. They're not focused on seeding. They're not focused on this or that for the regular season. They're in the playoffs. That's their thing. They want to get there first, and then it's like, how can we win in the playoffs? They've proven time and time again they can't win with Simmons. Maury's holding off, saying, look, like, I'm not dealing you for anything less than what's going to help us win in the, in the postseason. And apparently anything that Indian, Indiana has provi- uh, proposed, that Sacramento deal looked really freaking good like three weeks ago um, for what they could offer, you know, around Barnes and Heald. And I think Halliburton was, was on that deal too. And draft capital. Like, I think building a roster, that's the maximum that you could do. All those guys would play really well with Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris. Like that would be potentially the best team in that conference. They, they might be the favorite unless things can swing the other way in Brooklyn. So very interesting there that they didn't take that, but that goes to show like Maury obviously thinks he can do better and he thinks he can get a build or a Dame or somebody on that caliber for Ben Simmons, whether or not that happens, I don't know, but Maury's saying, look, if you're not going to be able to help us win in the postseason, I'm not interested because that's the goal that we have in our small window with Embiid. And, and, and that's another part of it. The small window with Embiid, like you're taking an MVP season, MVP caliber season from Embiid this year. And if, if you don't trade, if you don't trade Simmons at the deadline and you have a player that is not going to be playing at all, like you, that's one year probably wasted for the Sixers and for Embiid. Not just that, you know, you're you're counting on in the offseason possibly being able to get Harden. What happens if the Nets win the championship? What happens if, you know, Durant comes back, let's say Irving, let's say New York passes a statue that says, hey, you know, as far as anything, he can go ahead and play whatever. Um, that team has, you know, that team is capable enough to, if all three of those guys are playing, they're championship contenders. If they win a championship, Harden's not going to be like, hey, go ahead and trade me now. You know, so that weight that you want to do to get Harden in the offseason, that weight that you want to do to get, you know, to get Beal, to get to get uh, Lillard, it could be all for naught. Like that, like you talked about, that that deal with Sacramento, that was, that's a hell of a deal. If it was true, that's a hell of a deal. You're, you're literally talking about a young point guard that's very good. You're talking about a, a sniper in healed. And you're talking about a good wing veteran in, in Barnes that's, that has championship pedigree and draft picks. Bro, what more could you have wanted? Like you're, you're telling me that uh, a team with Halliburton running point healed, you've got Barnes at the three, you've got Tobias Harris at the four, all playing around Joel Embiid, and you're bringing off Maxi and uh, Matisse Tybel you know, in your rotation to be able to play in the matchup game. Are you kidding me? That team, that team could go toe to toe with any team in the NBA in my estimation. Like I, I, I fully, I, I fully stand by that statement. So that's very interesting. And this is the thing too, right? You're, you have no shot. I, I think you really have no shot to win a championship right now in Philly unless you trade Ben Simmons for something to help your team as constructed with Ben Simmons, providing you nothing. 
you're you have no shot and and Maury is saying I'm okay with that no shot because I know I have no shot with Ben so what does that really provide you as far as a return that could get any better than what Sacramento just offered you I think the rest of the league looks at that and says bro like you obviously know you can't win with this guy you your people said as much in the organization before you had to try to walk it back and play nice with Rich Paul uh, last year, right after you lost in, in, in your series in the playoffs, like this is yeah. as good as it's going to get. So very interesting there. Do you think Atlanta becomes a seller or do you think that they try to ride? Cause last year before they made their change, like they were, they were going down the, the toilet too. They made the change at, at head coach and then they got hot and were able to ride that all the way, what, to the Eastern Conference Finals? So do you think that they believe they've strike, they're going to strike lightning in a bottle twice uh, with, with this kind of resurgence for them? Or do you really think like a week from now they're going to wake up and say, you know, this, this isn't, isn't our year. we got to consolidate stuff. Because for me, trading, trading uh, Reddish to New York was step one. And then yeah. that, and that kind of retooling, I expected there to be another move by now, and it just hasn't happened. So they're seven and three in their last ten, and they've they bumped up to the tenth seed um, in the East. Uh, they are about they're two and a half to three games out of like seven, eight, nine. You know that that type of range. Um, they're getting they got they got DeAndre Hunter back. You know he's always injured, but when he's in there, he's one of their better players. You know, maybe there's a situation where the team looks at, you know, maybe the team just necess- just wants to maybe offload somebody like Gallinari or offload somebody like that to get their books in order for the offseason. But as far Bogdanovich. as trading Colin, yeah, but I think Bogdanovich is younger and he's more mobile. Like, I think Gallinari is, as far as, like, oh, defensively, sure. yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's a problem defensively for them. Um, so I, I, I do think that they'll try to do a move like that. I think now that they're winning, I think, I think a lot of it has to do with like getting out of the funk that they were in maybe a hangover from the Eastern conference finals. You know, maybe they thought, Oh, we, we made it to Eastern conference finals and we're going to be granted that position again, just because we made it. No, you, you got to fight. You know, this is, this was Trey Young's first time in the playoffs and this is his first time trying to try to defend, um, his position as a playoff you know, as a, as somebody that's been in the playoffs, him, John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, all those young guys that, you know, kind of were drafted by Atlanta. This is their first season where they have to prove that that wasn't a fluke. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe the pressure was a little bit too much for them in the beginning. You know, maybe they, you know, maybe they were just feeling themselves a little bit too much. So I think, I think Atlanta stays pat. I think they like where they're at right now. Um, and I think, you know, if they, if they hit a groove, if they found a groove, you know, you don't want to mess that up, especially if you're a team that has aspirations to be in the playoffs and, play, and you know, to be high enough in the playoffs, you know, to be a higher seed. Um, and so getting them to the sixth seed, you know, that would take four and a half games. It's not undoable. You know, it's possible, especially with Durant out, especially with, you know, Cleveland having such a bad luck as far as injuries. Um, you can, I could definitely see it happening. Chicago number, you know, Chicago still being number one with all their injuries. It's completely surprising to me, um, yeah. but yeah, you know, I, I, I think Atlanta stays pat. Um, and I, I think, 
I, I think there's, there's going to be moves on the periphery as for a lot of teams. I don't think there's going to be a lot of blockbuster moves this this trade deadline. Um, and so, you know, I think it's going to be pretty boring, but still there's going to be activity. And, you know, the Thunder, the Thunder always make a move right at the deadline. You know, they're always a, a 2.59, you know, a 2 o'clock, 59-minute team that makes a move. So we'll see. We'll see, man. It's going to be fun. In a week, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, so, you know, on Down to Dunk, they're always talking about pulling levers <laughs> and yeah. doing the things to po- posture yourself. You said this team isn't a team that's designed to compete right now, um, intentionally not designed to compete right now, and maybe just pulling a lever to really help solidify that. Certainly, again, Shea is hurt. Shea's actually hurt. Shea actually He's has a, a legitimate boot. injury. That <laughs> that That is... Foot that's put him <laughs> on the sideline, right? Like this isn't a taking thing. And he's Again, about to be joined. He's about to be joined by Aaron Wiggins. Aaron, Aaron Wiggins suffered a, a bad spring. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that's a natural lever that's, that's pulled. Um, even Wiggins who would have thought, you know, before the season started Wiggins potentially being out would impact our win loss abilities this yeah. late in the season. Um, so let's go ahead and talk about that. Look, the Thunder are red hot right now. They've won two straight. Yes, uh, they surprisingly. Beat, they, they beat Portland. They beat Dallas last night. Uh, Lou Dort, as I mentioned earlier with Jake, like went in Fuego. He scored, what, 14 points in overtime? He just yeah, really – scored something like that. Fourth quarter in overtime. He went banana sandwich shooting threes, top of the key shooting threes with a hand in his face, just draining it like it's nothing. Yeah. Um, Josh Giddy making plays like really savvy plays, like his inbound pass to Kenrich to tie the game late in the that fourth was, quarter. That was awesome. That was awesome. Um, that, that that play was awesome. Like Did there's you, a have, lot. Have you, have you seen the uh, like on Twitter where they do a close up of Giddy's face? His his eyes tracking his exactly, eyes. Exactly, and he's basically telling Kenrich, "Hey, you know, dart, dart towards Go. the basket," but Go. but he's not even saying anything. And you saw the little, you saw the little like semi smirk in his face when he when yeah. when he realized like it was going to happen. Like, I literally we're getting ready to inbound the ball. I'm like, okay, this is going to take a second from where he's inbounding it, right? You typically don't get a pass off immediately and that crisp. So I kind of like looked down to make sure like I wasn't gonna I was gonna take a drink, and I looked down to make sure I wasn't gonna like spill it on myself. And by the time I actually took my sip. Kenrich already was going up yeah. to put the ball in the basket. And I was like, what the heck just happened? What did I miss? Yeah. How, how was it that wide open? And then seeing the replays, I'm like, man, that was just beautiful. And hearing about the fact that they had a play drawn up and the fact that him and Kenrich were so like locked in a rookie said he disregarded the coach's design of the play coming out, uh, to, to inbound it in that situation, not just any situation, that situation where you have to try to tie the game up. He's, he's, all, he's a veteran already. Like he's no longer a rookie in my mind. He's won Western conference rookie of the, the, uh, the month, three months in a row, November, yeah, December, the, and the, then January. The three months, you know, it's only been three months. So he's won all of them so, for the Western conference. So, I mean, like at this point, you know, Getty, yes, I was wrong. Here's your flowers. You're awesome. I love you. I'm sorry. This, you know, this entire podcast. It, it's like um, it, 
what what was it like the Adam Sandler movie? He's like, he's like, you're pretty, I'm not. You're smart, I'm not so smart. Like, like yeah. really, like you just how can I how. from last night if we're looking at winning but my my tankathon sim this morning that i do every morning certainly didn't enjoy that win for some reason i mean houston won too so we i mean we at least kept up with houston as far as being a game and a half behind them in the reverse standings orlando won and that's what hurts yes like, yeah like oh we had a chance to make up some ground on them Make I don't, I don't, I don't, first standings, so, but yeah, rever, remember it's top three, so it's not like regardless of whether you're the worst team, the second worst team, or the third worst team, you all every, every one of those teams gets the same odds. So I'm only, I'm only looking at Houston, you know, and so being, you know, remaining a game and a half behind Houston to me, you know, that's that's the position we want to be in because we're, we're we are going to start losing games. I know these last two games, we've been without Shea. You know, and we look at it and we're like, all right, cool. We're going to start losing a whole bunch of games. You know, this team is resilient. This team has heart. Um, you know, we caught Portland on the second night of a back-to-back at the end of a road trip. And so in the first half, you know, we got down by 18. But then the Thunder kept on chipping away, kept on chipping away like they do. And I think Portland just ran out of gas. And, mm-hmm. you know, the Thunder ran away with it in the second half. So I don't think necessarily that was a game where you look at it and you're like, oh, wow you know, this team is so much better without Shea or anything like that. No, it has nothing to do with that. There are, there are certain things that play other than that, that come into play. And you know what? Lou Dort, Josh Giddy, they're NBA players. You know, these are guys that are, you know, bona fide NBA players that you put them in a game and they're going to perform. They're going to give you what you need to win and they're going to try to win. Um, and so, you know, that Portland game, we won 98 to 81. We won by 17. We were down by 18 at one point in the first half. And it was just one of those games where Portland just ran out of gas. And, you know, we we had the gas. You know, we, we were good to go throughout the entire game. So we could play 48 minutes, but Portland can only play, you know, 24 to 30 minutes. Um, you know, in that game, Lou Dort had 18 points on six of eight, six of 16 shooting, two of eight from three. Uh, Trey Mann had 13 points. We'll, we'll talk about Trey Mann here in, in the Dallas game. But he had 13 mm-hmm. points in that game. Um, and Josh Giddy had, you know, 14 points, 12 rebounds, four assists, one block. Um, and Baisley, let me tell you, Baisley as a small ball five, you know, and as a as a off the bench big man, has been great these last two games, and honestly has been great over the stretch that he's been coming off the bench. Like, if that's the role that he's going to play, if that's the role that he has, that's awesome. You know, that's, you know, that, that's great. And you know what? The Jeremy Grant reclamation project for him is going great. Hopefully he continues on this, you know, hopefully he continues on this track and, you know, concentrate on the things that you can do and then maybe sprinkle in the things that you want to work on, whether it's a three-point shot, whether it's driving to the basket, whatever. But focus on defense, um, focus on getting open, slashing to the lane, you know, being open whenever somebody drives. Um And I think he's doing great at that. You know, in the Portland game, he had 15 points, uh, five rebounds, three assists. He was a plus 12. You know, he's one of those things where whenever the Thunder start to make their comeback, especially in the second quarter when a lot of their subs are in the game, he has a lot to do with that. Um, And so he has done – he's done great. And 
you know, one of the things I love about him is his effort. Like you see him, yeah. you know, everybody talks about Kenny Hustle and, and rightfully so, like his effort's pretty awesome on both ends of the floor too. Basically, like he, I'll, I'll transition from the Portland game to the Dallas game. He was not efficient in the Dallas game at all. Um, he played the most seconds on the team, third most, third most minutes. Sorry, I, I thought that six was an eight. Um, he, or he's up there in minutes on the, on the team there. He wasn't very yeah. efficient. He was like four of 12 from the field, only two of eight from three, which has to be better if he's going to be pulling, you know, eight three pointers, but they're not contested. They're in the natural flow of the game. Like they're just not going in. This is what I love. Three blocks, you know, 11 he, rebounds. He's super, super engaged in getting rebounds and challenging shots and using his length. And I think you got to find other ways to affect the game in a positive manner when you're not hitting shots, when things aren't going smoothly on the offensive end. And he looks like he's trying to do that now. Zero assists. He wasn't facilitating. This was actually the Josh Giddy show in facilitation. Um, fun fact about Giddy is, you know, he, he had so many more opportunities for assists. He had 10 assists on the game, but like, I, I want to say it was like 17 or 20 other realistic uh, opportunities to get assists and guys just weren't hitting shots. Like, I mean, that's every game. <laughs> it's every that's single every... <laughs> game with Giddy, but the potential things are like up there. Hopefully moving forward, Giddy is the natural facilitator of our offense. And then we have isolation stuff for Shea instead of vice versa moving forward. But Baisley led our team in rebounds uh, led our team in blocks. I mean, he had three of our total eight blocks on the night. <laughs> we, yeah. we really, and, and anytime you're going against, you know, a Luka Doncic led team, you got to be able to have somebody impact stuff in the paint because Luka, when he gets going inside the paint really gets going everywhere else. So the link that Baisley had, and I want to specifically talk about it when, they, the Dallas Mavericks uh, forced action to where they were screening Dort off of Doncic. And it was Baisley that ended up being in one-on-one, one-on-one situations, defending Luka. And he held his own. I think his length really gave Luka some, some fits through a large portion of the third and then the first half of the fourth quarter. Now Luka did a little bit there towards the end of the fourth. And still, you know, in his own right, was able to score, but uh, as he dropped 40 on us. But that wasn't because Baisley was a slouch defensively. That uh, that length was really a problem. And I think it was uh, 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 Brandon uh, Raybar came on, uh, went on Twitter and said, you know, I don't think that the switch uh, to Baisley is advantageous as Luca thinks it is. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, it, so really good effort from Baisley there even though he wasn't efficient. Yeah, the, the game plan against Luca was it was it was a great, great yeah, game plan. It's basically, hey, go ahead and take, you know, defend him when he's shooting, but stay on the other guys. You know, he shot 33 shots. Like this is a this is an Allen Iverson esque type game, you know, where hey, go ahead and shoot all the shots you want. 33. He made 16 to 33. Percentage wise, that's not bad. Um, but the fact that, you know, 17 of those shots were missing. Um, 
you know, he was a minus 17, but he scored 40 points. Like this is that, that game plan against him was, was working very well. And the Thunder were doing very well on switches, you know, as, as you mentioned, Baisley, uh, but also Kenrich. Kenrich, you know, guarded him second half of the fourth quarter, you know, early in overtime. Um, and so he was also switching on to him. And, and I, I just think Baisley out there, he's learning how to, he's learning how to use his athleticism, not necessarily his athleticism and his length um, because he, he's not, tall he's six foot you know six foot nine um but he's skying up there for rebounds he's he's a lot quicker than a lot of those players out there he's a lot you know he's a lot more bouncier than a lot of those players out there um and so doing a great job of using those advantages that he has to his to his game I do want to talk about Trey Mann Trey Mann has you know that he's man? been given an opportunity he's that man he's been given an opportunity with Shea being out he's, you know he started the last two games um, last three games, I think, but this game, he was on for, you know, he's on fire. He started the game. I don't know what he started, but he shot eight of 14, six of eight from three, seven of eight from the free throw line. He had 29 points. So he almost had 30 points. So this guy that almost, yeah, almost this guy that's learning how to, you know, one of the biggest things about him coming into this season was he learning the length of the game, you know, how much space, how much space does he need to get his shot off? And that's going to be, that's been the constant kind of struggle, not struggle, but the constant um, lesson with him this season is him learning, Hey, how much, how much space do you need to get your shot off? What do you need to do to get open? What do you need to do to get space in this league? And I think he's starting to figure it out. I think he's starting to figure out what he needs to do. I think playing with a guy like Giddy when he's open, he gets found. You know, he gets open shots. Um, and so last night was just like – like the, the, the Mavericks can do anything against him. Like he was doing step backs. He was getting open threes. He was making them. You know, there was a point, I think, in the, in the second quarter or third quarter, we had two corner threes in a row and, like, brought the team back basically. Um, and, you know, Dallas had to take a timeout after that second three. But it was just something that the moment was not too big for him. You know, he did a great job. You know, and, and, and you look at it, 18 – 18th pick in, you know, in this draft. Uh, but you look at the the type of game that he has and just microwave score, man. Just somebody that you hope could be that bench score off the bench for this team for years to come from, from now. It would be amazing. Well, and something else, like, you know, obviously we're going to acquire as much talent as we can, regardless of position. Shout yeah. out Stephen Dolan. Um because he's definitely team. I don't care about position. BP, but BPA, BPA. But if BPA leads us to taking a big this year uh, at the top of the draft, which the top three most likely picks are either a four or a five at the next level, um, there's still room for man to potentially play that that quasi two role, right? Yeah. I mean it doesn't really matter one through three at this point with those guys, you know, with SGA and Giddy. And then if you introduce man into the starting lineup, definitely him running the second unit would give us the same type of benefit that say Jamal Crawford made his whole career off of uh, mm -hmm. being multiple six man of the year there. So lemon pepper, lemon pepper, Lou, Jamal Crawford, all those guys. Lem yeah. I mean, you know, Maybe Oklahoma City becomes somewhat Magic City, I guess, with Trey Mann. <laughs> <Yeah>. But <laughs> they, got, um, they got great wings. 
they got great wings. Hey, lemon, lemon pepper wings do hit, but um, yeah, I mean, Trey Mann, when we got him, certainly a great pick. I'm still a little, a little butthurt about what happened two picks before him, but um, I will I'll dig into that anymore. But man, Trey Mann was a, was a great selection. I think uh, we had, um, we had hoop intellect on before the draft and, and he, that was one of his guys that he was really uh, gassing he, up. He so. gushed about him, yeah. Yeah, he and, and rightfully him. so. We're, we're seeing the, the seeing that come into fruition. So um, for everybody that wants to slander Hoop Intellect for, for that graphic about Giddy, uh, don't do that in one breath and then talk up <laughs> Trey Mann about how good he is in the next breath, all right? So, like, let's just, let's just be real here. Um, so very, very excited about him. Wiggins has been awesome. JRE, what do you think his long-term uh, role is for this team? And do you think he is potentially a guy for us moving forward uh, next year? I think year? he is. You know, I think he is. I think every team needs like a P.J. Tucker type guy. Um, and, you know, JRE's game kind of lends itself to be kind of a P.J. Tucker type guy. The only thing that I want, and, it, you know, they, they talked about this on Down to Duck, I, I need for him to get meaner. And, and like, you know, meanness, you know, as far as like, you know, getting that a little bit of that dog in him. You know, I, I need him. I need somebody to push him. I want to see if if he, he re- retaliates back. I want to see if he, you know, kind of gets angry and pushes somebody back. But other than that, I think this guy does have a he does have a place on this team moving forward. Um, if he's your starting five, you know, you're he's he's top twenty at least within centers in this league. Uh, but if he's coming off your off the bench, um, and you have a top 10 center and you know in your starting lineup this guy's good good to go and the, and the thing about jre is he can play four and five because he can space the floor and so you know you don't necessarily he's not just pigeonholed into one position you know he can be a small ball five he could be he could be a four starting level four it's just going to be a ton of you know that's the thing about this team is they want multi-positionality if that's a word um and so you know, being able to have guys that are able to play multiple positions out there allows them to to have that much more, I guess that much more, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, they're, they're just able to do a lot more out yeah, there. Versatile. You know, versatile, yeah, they're, they're versatile. Um, so it allows Mark to put versatile lineups out there. It allows Mark to play a lot more with, with different lineups and not just be – shoehorned or you know into just like specific things and so that's the you know this whole team i think they're building this team to be that way yeah i i mean you obviously need guys that can be very fluid and do a lot of things but four players four impact players that we were able to acquire here uh that's in the draft that's incredible you're lucky to even get one by yeah i mean that's definitely and and I do want to kind of preface that by saying, you know, we have to wait until next season to see how these guys progress. Cause we thought Teo was going to be something this year. We thought, oh my God. Was gonna, you know, it's going to progress a lot this season. They haven't. And so, you know, there, there is that, that rookie initial bump. And then sometimes there's that sophomore like wall that they hit where they don't necessarily improve or, or they don't have the skills. Maybe, you know, naturally they just don't have that skill to move to that next level. Um, but as of right now, it looks like Presti got four 
impact players in a draft where he, you know, he drafted six, 18, 32, and 55. So that's amazing. That's an amazing job by the scout team for the Thunder. Uh, yeah. And that, I mean, I'm wearing my trust the Presti uh, OKC Topic Thunder shirt right now while recording this thing. Like, I didn't trust the Presti even while wearing said same shirt on draft day uh, after we took Giddy. And I think at this point, we can all just concede that he knows more than we do. And he's I better so. at his job than we are analyzing his job. So, so. Uh, very a, lo- a lot of props goes to Presti in our scouting department and whoever helped him navigate his draft board because he consolidated a couple of picks to move uh, move up and get JRE. He consolidated uh, or he, he traded 16 away um, to, to move around the board a bit and, and get future assets. So although I would have loved Shingoon on this roster, like Presti, you, you crushed it. We couldn't have done any better at six. That is even with Kaminga's uh, – good play or solid play in golden state. So uh, we've won two straight. We, the rest of our schedule is, is not uh, very easy. We do have the ability to lose a couple of these games and really work our way up the reverse standings potentially if we get a little bit of help, but um, what thoughts would you like to leave us with right now? as far as like where we're postured, what we could do, where we might be sitting post uh, deadline. I mean, so, so first thought I have, so I want to go back to the, to the two previous games and just give a shout out to Lou Dort. Like, you know, we, we constantly like Lou Dort is just one of those players where you, you don't know what you have in him, but then every time he does something, you're like, Oh yeah, he can do that. Also, you know, this guy, you know, he, put it on in the second half, fourth quarter, overtime in that Dallas game, and just willed us to victory. You know, 30 points. Um, not necessarily efficient shooting, but he gave us what we needed. And so, you know, every time that Shea is out, I always notice that that Lou steps up, and he steps up and does very well in that role. Um, so I just want to give my shout-outs to Lou. You know, it's one of the, thing, one of the things I don't oh. think we've mentioned a lot over these last two games. Uh, yeah, but, fair enough. Yeah, shout out to him. So where will we stand by the deadline? Um, so we play four games before then. You know, we play at Portland, at Sacramento. We play versus Golden State at home um, and then versus Toronto on the ninth. Um, I think I think we go one and three in those games. Um, I, I think we're, you know, just in, in right position where we're supposed to be as far as, you know, as far as the tank goes. Um, and, and again, I, I don't think – I don't think we make any big time moves to get any players that could help us out in the future to get any players that we think, Oh, you know, they're going to be rotation players. But I do think we involve ourselves in a couple of trades, whether they are um, salary dumps from other teams or whether they are as a third party in a, in a three or four team trade um, to, to make teams, you know, either get rid of bigger salary and, and take on players. Um, so that's, that's the position I think we're in. And that's the position I think we'll be come the 10th, of February in a week, whenever this trade deadline is over, and I believe you know, it's two nineteen Central right now. This you know this will probably be I believe the trade deadline is three o'clock Eastern, so two o'clock Central. Um, so be interested to see what happens. What do you think?
I, I think we go. I think we go over um, here. Uh, that's o four four. They're yeah. at Portland, at Sacramento, and then home against Golden State and Toronto. It's really fun to get on that ESPN future schedule page and then just go look at tickets as low as four dollars seven dollars <laughs> 17 and three dollars respectively like yeah <laughs> man so at home against golden state it does prop up to 17 so people could potentially see steph watch out now play, like all that um but man it's it's tough going and the thunder have been I want to say we've been amongst the worst, if not the worst, as far as attendance goes so far this year yeah. at home. It's so it's expected. So I think we go 0 for 4. I think that helps us with the tank. This is the final question I'll, I'll pose to you. And obviously, I know you're, you're hosting this thing, so you wrap it up. But um, with that being said, tickets as low as $3 for the Toronto game, right? $3 for an NBA game to go to in Oklahoma city. It's not like there are like 14 other things going on that night um, on a Wednesday night. Right. <laughs> Do yeah. you think that the, the management is still on board with yet potentially another year of this going into the 2022, 2023 season to lead us to potentially get a Victor Wembenyama or who, whoever, or do you think, that in this offseason that Presti and company are going to be more willing to make moves because of perceived or actual pressure by our fan base in Oklahoma City. So I'm, I'm on Houston's page, on their future schedule page, and, you know, Sunday night versus New Orleans, $6. Uh, uh, Thursday, February 10th versus Toronto, tickets as low as five. Um, the 27th and March 1st versus LA, it's a, it's a home and home against them. It's $7 and $6. So I don't, I don't necessarily think it's endemic of just Oklahoma City. I think this is more of a, when you have a crappy team, people don't want to see crappy basketball. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's, it's just, Fair point. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's just the, it's the nature of the beast when it comes to tanking, when it comes to a team kind of not being that good. Um, so I, I wouldn't worry too much about that. And I don't think, I don't, I don't necessarily think the team makes moves based off of, you know, one season of bad attendance or anything like that. With all that said, I, I do think that come next year, depending on who we draft, um, you know, it's, I don't think we're necessarily looking to tank next season. I, I do think that we start to kind of want to see if we can win um, and see if luck plays in our favor in, in the lottery, um, you know, come, come the end of next season where, you know, maybe we're in the seventh or eighth in the reverse standings and maybe we can get lucky and get up to win Miyama. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think next season we're going to be tanking like this. For, for, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think by next season, we're, we've accumulated a lot of talent. So we've accumulated SGA, Gideon's second season, uh, Lou Dort's fourth season, um, and then whatever rookie. If we end up with like Chet or something like that, or we end up with Bancaro or, you know, Jabari Smith, those players are good from the outset. 
you know, those players are pretty good from the outset. Um, and so as you accumulate talent, your product on the floor should also improve and you should get better. And so there's almost no way to tank if you're improving, you know, in a linear fashion. Um, and so I, I don't think levers will be pulled or anything like that. I, I do think this team eventually wants to see, hey, how good can we be? And we still have an asset, you know, we still have a treasure trove of assets that we can go ahead and pull triggers on trades um, or we can pull triggers on, on moving up in the draft. You know, you know, maybe it isn't Wimbayama, maybe it's Scoot Henderson, maybe it's, you know, the Thompson twins, maybe it's somebody like that in this next draft um, that, that we say, Hey, you know, maybe it's a, maybe it's a, it's a surprise name like this year, you know, Shaden Sharp is going to be in the draft probably. You know, we didn't expect him to be in this draft. We expected him to be in 2023. So I, I don't think the team necessarily goes into next season with a tanking mentality. I think they go into next season with a let's see how this team can do with the with the players they have. I don't think they're necessarily looking to acquire a player that makes them a ton better. I think they just want to go ahead and let this happen orga- organically and see if, you know, Shea, Giddy, Dort, you know, maybe Bays, maybe – um, Trey Mann, JRE, Wiggins, draft pick this year, other draft pick this year, and see how they do, you know, see how they do organically. Sometimes organically, they get good. You know, sometimes they get good. We saw that with Durant, Westbrook, and Harden, where it happened organically. Um, and so we'll see what happens with this crew. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> obviously, I, I get the vision. I, I understand the vision. I know that that's the best path for us to be able to acquire superstar talent in a superstar-driven league. Not a star-driven league, a superstar-driven league. Yeah. So you have to have the best of the best on your roster to even compete for a championship. I get that. But my goodness, is it tough to watch games like last night where you're like, man, if Luca drains that 30-footer, I'm actually kind of happy. <laughs> at the end yeah. of that uh, fourth quarter but then you're like i'm also kind of happy for the guys to get wins and to feel that success and to know what that feels like and and be able to build some momentum i want to be so, happily it's a weird it's a weird yeah. position to be in i want to root for wins next year for sure um and I think like Shay, the extension kicking in, if you got a max player in your, on your roster, if any who has a max player on their roster should be playing for the playoffs, unless they acquired said max player in a salary dump situation that was attached with assets. Right. So like we're, we're now paying Shay in, in 2022, 2023 max dollars. The mindset has to shift at some point. And it just feels like a natural shift there um, where you're like, we're paying for a max guy, an all-star caliber guy who's really young. Now's the time when we need to maybe make a swing or two. So very interested to see fast forward 12 years, uh, 12 months from now. What does this look like in trade deadline 2023? Are we buyers at that point really trying to make a big push? Who knows? Gosh, I'm ready for this tank to be over. It is so painful. (laughs) Ah, yes, I know, I know, I know. But with that said, stick with us. Stick with this team. This team will get better. This team will eventually figure this out. Um, And we got, you know, 
looking at Maddie's shirt that he has on right now, you know, trust the Presty. You know, we we went into the last draft and we thought it was a complete utter disaster that we came out, you know, with what we came out of it. And it turned out to be okay. You know, it turned out to be just fine as far as having a guy that's been the Western Conference rookie of the month for the the first three months of the season. You know, a, a guy that just put up 29 points, you know, in a game against Dallas. Um, you know, somebody that's the number 55 pick that started like 10 plus games already for us. And then, you know, a big man that he seems to hold his own in the NBA. So we trust Presty, you know, we trust what, what, whatever, you know, what vision he has. And we'll call him out if he, if he makes a bad move. Believe me, we will. Um, but as far as what he's done recently, it's, it's worked out. It's worked out just fine. So, you know, trust the Presty, you know, stick with this team and just have fun with them. This team is fun. Like, I don't, I don't know about you, man, but like, I've enjoyed watching this team play. Like, it's not necessarily like there are some painstaking moments, you know, that 73 point loss to, to Memphis. Uh. That, but I mean, that honestly, that was an outlier. That was just a, that was just a crappy day. And we all have crappy days from time to time, you know, and, and it, it just happened to be the crappiest day ever in the NBA and NBA history, but still, you know, we, we lost that game, and then the next time we played Memphis, we beat them. You know that. So that's how this team kind of, kind of, kind of plays, and that's just the, that's the heart that this team has. Um, so, you know, I, I'll never look at this team. I'll never look at the players and look at this team and and kind of shit on them because I know that they're out there trying, and I know this mm-hmm. team is designed to to lose this season, and so the, you know, it's kind of like like I've heard said. Nobody, nobody that's playing right now for the Thunder is playing in their, their position of comfort. You know, you have guys that are trying new things. You have guys that are playing out of position. Um, and so, you know, you have a team that's basically designed to lose purposely, but also designed to see what guys can do. How far can you take your skills? How far can you go? Um, and so if you look at it from that perspective, this team is fun. This team is doing what they're supposed to do. And honestly, I, I believe that they are exceeding expectations um, as far as what they should be doing. So I enjoy this team. I know this podcast enjoys this team. I know we want to see them win. Um, but, you know, as we head into the trade deadline, it's fun to kind of see what this team can become. And it's fun to kind of see what this team can accumulate uh, from this trade deadline. You know, I, I know we have a ton of picks, and if we wanted to, we could throw out those picks and get a star player here or there. Um, but I don't think that's team wants to do that right now. As Presti's always said, we don't cut corners. We don't want to cut corners. Um, and so, you know, I'm here for the tank. I'm here for the duration of this. I'm okay with it. I know Maddie's okay with it. Yeah, I know uh, Dylan's okay with it. We're all okay with it. So my, my wife probably isn't because all I do is walk around the house going tank, tank in, tank, tank, tank in, tank, tank in, tank, tank, tank. And she really gets tired of hearing that. So uh, like after that loss to the Grizzlies, like I, I said that pretty much on repeat until the very next game. So hey, she's, giving, with she's giving you, she's giving you two kids. So she has to like something about you, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what she tolerates about me, much less likes about me, but um I'm not questioning it. So uh, maybe, maybe she's into the gray hair. Maybe that's what really. Uh, hey, the, the, the salt and pepper, man. Salt and pepper is a salt Ooh, and pepper. Baby, is baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. 
Uh, but it, it's it's definitely been a fun ride. Um, you know, yeah. with all the success we had as as a Thunder organization in our first decade, this is the growing pains that everybody goes through, yes. and it's going to make the next two, three, four, ten years that much sweeter. So, uh, the light is at the end of the tunnel. Thank God that Josh Giddy is way better than I thought he was on draft day, and maybe we've already got our second star alongside Shea, and we're looking for the 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 third wise man, so to speak. Uh, to load into the boat and to, to get this thing going. So, um, I that being said, <laughs> yeah, that, that being said, uh, the North star is our ability to, uh, not just make, uh, make an arrival just showing up to the playoffs, but actually making an arrival. Like we are freaking here and we're here to knock some heads. Yeah. We don't want to make an appearance. We're going to make an arrival. Exactly. Uh, Sam Presti with the beautiful line there. So stick around with us and uh, it should get better. Hopefully by trade deadline next year, we're talking about something super sexy and we're able to, you know, have a much greater outlook for, for the prospects for the rest of that season. And we're hopefully talking with Jake Fisher for that trade deadline. So, Oh, sure. Oh, sure. As always, as always, thank you very much for listening. Um, do what you got to do to protect yourself, especially in this cold weather that we have going around, you know, most of the nation, um, but <laughs> oh, wash your hands. I, I thought you were, I thought you were going a little, a, a little more uh, uh, adult than that, but <laughs> yeah, that works too. <laughs> well, wash your hands, you know, hoop when you can get vaccinated. If you want, if you can. And as always, under up. Under up. <laughs> Go ahead and text Dylan. That's hey, brother, right. man, it's good. It's good seeing you, man. It's good talking to you again. It's good seeing and talking to you too, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do this a little more regularly, especially now that NFL season is coming to a close. Um, yeah. Hey, man, those games, those those are hella games right there, man. Those oh the AFC and NFC championship games. This, 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 that- this postseason, this postseason has been great. I, I think I think this has been the best postseason we've ever seen in the NFL. Yeah. And it came on the heels. This is the second year that they've allowed an additional team into the playoffs, that they've run seven teams in each conference. So 14 of the 30 teams make yeah. it to the playoffs in the NFL. So miss me all the college football playoff non-expansionists like – Oh, I the know. NF, the NF, like, why would you say, you know what sounds good to me? Less football. That sounds yeah. good to me. <laughs> like, come on now. Like, this divisional round and then the championship round has set the bar so high for the Super Bowl. Yeah. I don't know how we could possibly meet expectations, but watch. Watch a walk-off field goal or something be what, what watch I us have an so. overtime game in the, yeah. in the Super I, Bowl. Like, I hope so. Man. You know, it, it, it'll be disappointing if this is like a 30-point blowout in the Super Bowl. Oh, my gosh. I Well, but the thing is, that blowout could go from either side. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you could have like, – you could have you, you could have uh, the Bengals' offense just erupt, or you can have L.A.'s defense just, like, completely shut them down. I mean, like – 
here's the thing. It's hard for me to vision Joe Burrow getting blown out. Yeah, that's true. Unless Aaron Donald and Von Miller just completely kill him in the first quarter because that offensive line's not great. But the Duke got sacked nine times against the Titans and said that's cute. Like, Yeah, I mean, that's, that's true. But Aaron Donald, man, that's, that's a man right there. He's an actual is, ram in human form. A, yes, that is, that is a large athletic individual right there. Like, I would – I cannot imagine getting socked in the face with, by that guy. Like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. You know, the whole – the whole. you remember when you were go- growing up and you saw things like, you know, million dollars, three minutes in a ring with Mike Tyson. No, man, I'm good, man. I'll be dead. Like, look, I couldn't even survive Mike Tyson's punch out on Nintendo, like much less like three minutes of dude in the ring. <laughs> like, get yeah. out of here with that. What – it would take more than a million dollars to reconstruct my face after he got done with me. So like, exactly. uh, bro, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, there. So. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be a good game. And it's two years in a row that the home team is represented in the playoff in the, in the Super Bowl. Last year, Tampa Bay. yeah, this year it's LA. So where is, where is it supposed to be next year? Oh, snap. I want to say Houston. So obviously like that's not going to happen. Let me see Super Bowl. Yeah, that's definitely <laughs> 37 location or not 37 excuse me 57 what up brother we still on hey guys glendale arizona so put your stock in kyler murray and cliff kingsbury thank you for listening to the topic thunder podcast our podcast is available to subscribe on apple spotify stitcher and google play or anywhere else you listen to your podcast be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a positive review, and follow us on Twitter at OKC Topic Thunder. Thunder up! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.